And so wherever you are today, either in tough times or in times of victory, all of us qualify to go one-on-one with God through the Psalms. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Student ministry's changed since I was back there in those days. Glad I'm pastoring real people now. This is a good thing for me, and we wanted you to get a, a little bit of a picture of youth ministry relaunching. Two years it's been since they've been able to gather like that, and it was a great, great week last week. Thank you for praying for them and many other things that are coming this summer. Now that we've arrived in the summer months, we are beginning a new sermon series. We'll be studying different psalms through the summer. All these summer months, it's a great way to go one-on-one with God, and that's what the psalms allow us to do. It allows us to focus our hearts, our praise, and our prayers to the Lord. So as we dig in on the psalms, let's remember the psalms are the hymn book of our faith. The psalms have been used throughout all of human history As we read through Scripture, we find different accounts. David, many times, wrote many of the Psalms, and those he didn't, he also would sing unto the Lord. You can go through all the prophets, and you'll see Isaiah, Jeremiah. All the prophets would sing these praises and lead the people to sing the praises of God through the Psalms. You can go back and you can see where Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah, after they celebrated their victories after war, the first thing they would do was sing these praise songs to the Lord. You can go back and you can see the Maccabees as they struggled to achieve their country's independence and they would uh, see God's favor and in that they would express their thanksgiving through the Psalms. Paul and Silas, as they would be in prison and go through their difficult times, they would break out singing the Psalms and All the prisoners would listen in and captives, captive hearts would be set free. You can go back all the way through Paul's teachings and he would teach the believers at Ephesus and Colossae that they were to exhort one another, admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that came from the psalms. You can see the rich history of God moving in the hearts of his people as they would experience difficult times as they would experience great victories. And so wherever you are today, either in tough times or in times of victory, all of us qualify to go one-on-one with God through the Psalms. And so I want to encourage you as we read through these Psalms each and every week that you would receive them not just as words on the pages of your Bible, but that they would take root in your heart and give you a heart of celebration and a heart of praise unto the Lord. Think about it. Jesus himself would go to the Psalms at some of his darkest moments in life. As he was there in the garden, those last hours before the cross, he would quote from the Psalms. As he was hanging on the cross for your sin and mine, Jesus would quote from the Psalms. And then we're told in Revelation that there will be a day when we're done with this place, when we are in the presence of our Lord and our Savior face to face, and we know what we'll be doing We'll be singing those psalms there in the throne room of God's amazing grace. And so as we go through this summer, as we study the book of Psalms, what you're actually going to get from your preacher is singing lessons. I'm going to give you some singing lessons on how to sing from your heart and connect with the Lord's heart. So let's dig in on the very first psalm ever written. Open up to the book of Psalms. Don't go to Psalm number one, though. You would think that's the first psalm. It's the first psalm in the psalms, but it wasn't the first psalm written. 
turn to your cue is on the screen go to psalm 90 psalm 90 is actually the very first psalm written in all the psalms that we have as you go to psalm 90 you're going to find that this was a song penned by moses moses is the author of this psalm he was born to jewish parents as you remember his story he was supposed to be snuffed out he wasn't supposed to be alive uh, but yet god protected this special one named moses he was adopted into Pharaoh's uh, family by his daughter. He would grow up in the palace, and yet he wasn't Egyptian. He was a Jewish young man. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us much about those years when he was there, but in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, as he is testifying about the heritage of their leaders, he talks about Moses. And he says this about Moses. He says, Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians... And he was mighty in his words and in his deeds. Well, Moses would take some privilege. He would grow up in a palace. He would grow up under the wisdom of the day, the cultural relevance of Egyptian culture. And while he grew in those things, those things at times might be helpful practically, but there were also a lot of those things that would corrupt his soul and his thinking. Matter of fact, we also find out in Acts chapter 7 that there was a time when he was 40 years of age. He knew God's call was to deliver his people, and he was watching one of his brethren being abused by an Egyptian soldier. So being trained up in the ways of Egyptian culture and the ways of the world, uh, what happens if somebody comes after your eye, you dot their eye. If somebody takes your ear, you get their ear. If you uh, lose a pound of flesh to somebody, you better get your pound of flesh. And so Moses steps in and he takes the life of this Egyptian soldier. He was living like an Egyptian. And in that moment, at the age of 40, God would remove him from Egypt, from the palace, and he would go out to the wilderness. A lot of people don't remember this part of Moses' story. They remember him growing up in the palace. They remember him being 40 years in the wilderness with Israel. But what happened in between? God would take him to the wilderness by himself before he was ever there with Israel. He would spend the same number of years that he was in the palace in the wilderness another 40 years. So now we find from ages 40 to almost age 80, here's Moses growing up in the wilderness in isolation. Why? Was God punishing him? No, God was transforming him. Was he no longer able to be used by God? No, God was shaping him and forming him, just like he is you and me. So we find, as we look over Moses' history, 40 years, he's growing up in a palace. 40 years again, there he is in the wilderness. And it's in this wilderness time that God begins to develop the heart of Moses. Not to have a heart like an Egyptian, but to have the heart of the one who created him. He would learn how to connect with God and go one-on-one -on -one through a heart of praise and a heart of prayers. And so as we look in on this psalm, we find an author, knowing it's the Holy Spirit speaking through Moses, using Moses' life to share with your life how to walk with God. He's reflecting on all of his issues. He has sinned. He has come short of the glory of God. Some authors think that maybe he wrote Psalm 90 when he was already leading Israel. There's a good chance this comes certainly out of his experience here in these 40 years of wilderness when he's alone. But here's what we do know. Moses had difficult days. He had 
quarantine days like we've experienced, and yet it didn't change his heart to worship God. I hope that the Psalms will reignite a passion in you to connect with God one-on-one. That maybe this summer you take a psalm a day and just read a psalm and let that psalm speak to your heart and then speak that psalm back to God. But let's jump into Psalm chapter 90. We've seen some background. Look at verse 12. In all of these things that Moses would experience and what he would voice as a prayer and a praise is summarized in verse 12. He said, so Lord, he's singing to the Lord, Lord, teach us. Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. I would challenge you to make that your prayer every day this week. What if every day this week we woke up and the first thing we did was just get on our knees before the Lord and make this our prayer. Lord, today, teach me. Teach me, Lord, to look through the lens of reality, Lord, that, that, Lord, you would teach me to number my days and realize this is a day you've made. This is a day you've given me as a gift. And God, I don't want to waste it. I don't want to pout in it. I don't want to miss it. But God, teach me to number my days that I might live with a heart of wisdom. That was his prayer. Because he had looked back and he had seen how he had wasted so many previous days. How he had taken those days for granted. You remember when you were younger? Remember back in those days? Can you remember that far back? Boy, we get reminded of it often, don't we? We get these life lessons that keep reminding us that we're not as young as we used to be. Uh, just this past week, we also joined uh, the Keels in receiving a new grandbaby into our lives, which was really cool. But then all of a sudden you realize, what in the world? I'm a grandfather. I'm, I've become my dad. I'm getting old. And it was that night as I go to bed in the middle of night, I wake up screaming in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, somehow I tore my left calf muscle. Don't know how I did it. The doctor doesn't know how I did it. But it just is confirmation, you're an old man. I can't even sleep without falling apart now. I'm so old. <laughs> Unbelievable. Don't amen that yet. Oh, you pray for me. Boy, those days when we were young, we could do anything we thought we could do and wanted to do, and we did it when we shouldn't have been doing it. And then we have to realize how foolish we were in some of those days. We actually, is Mary Arnold in here? Where is Mary? Did Mary Arnold make it this morning? She, <laughs> she may have known. We found old video. We were going back and looking at stuff for Hannah, and we find Mary Arnold trashing on me as a youth pastor saying I was way too immature. Can you believe that back in the day? <laughs> I'm coming for her. You tell her I'm coming when I find her. But we all got to grow up, don't we? Or do we? Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we still play that young fool all the way to our grave because we don't number our days. We don't realize the gift that it is, and we waste so much time living like an Egyptian, living like the rest of the world and the rest of the culture, falling into that trap that it's all about this lifetime. And Moses is going to teach us, no, life is greater and life is deeper than anything you could experience in Egypt or Oklahoma City or wherever you may be. So Lord, teach us to number our days. I remember we were counting down those days until Hannah would deliver on this third day of the month of June. We were counting the days, and I promise you, she was counting them more than we were. And then you can look, and guys, anybody know how many days it is till Father's Day? 14 days. Remind your family. Help them, all right? 14 days until Father's Day. Anybody know how many days until kickoff for college football? Every guy in the room ought to know this. 90 days. Did I hear that from a, I heard a lady up front? God bless your ministry. How many days until Christmas? Anybody know? 
202 days until Christmas. Anybody know how many days till the next presidential election? How about that one? Sorry, I shouldn't have brought it up in church, but it is 1,248 days. Just wanted you to suffer a little longer. Here we go. Well, knowing those numbers, listen, just knowing those numbers don't make us wiser, do they? But it's what we do when we number our days that makes us wiser. Moses reflects as he writes this psalm. On the first six verses, he reflects on the glory of who God is, our creator and our judge. He then reminds us in the second part of this psalm in verses 7 through 11 that we are less than who God is. We are not holy as he is. And as a result, that brings death and destruction in our life. But then he finally calls out in verses 12 and following, like we've seen, for God to give us the wisdom to understand who we are but who God is. How to understand that through God's mercy and God's grace and experience life one day at a time as God would have it. So let's take some singing lessons. Here's lesson number one. Write it down in your notes. Lesson number one that Moses will teach us in this psalm is God is God and we are not. God is God and we are not. Now, we might write that on paper, but that doesn't mean that's what we're living in our life. It's so easy to play the role of God. It's so easy to put God on the bench. We don't mean to, but we start living like an Egyptian. We just start living naturally rather than supernaturally. We live through the lens of what we are taught in this world instead of through the lens of the one who created this world. And Moses had to learn that lesson in the wilderness. He had to be reminded and purged of all that he learned in Egypt. He had to be reminded, no, Pharaoh isn't God. I'm not God. I'm not the one who's in charge of my life or my day. The Lord God is. So look at verse 1. Look at what he says. Lord You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, that may not ring out much for you. you got a dwelling place. Or maybe you reflect back when you were a child and you grew up on the old homestead and the old dwelling. Maybe you've inherited your grandparents' property or, or a dwelling place of sort. But Moses, think about this. Moses never really had a dwelling place. Oh, he grew up in the palace. Only because he was plucked out of the river, he was supposed to be a dead man. He didn't get to grow up with his people. He didn't get to grow up with his mama. He grew up in a foreign place, a palace, Pharaoh's adopted child. Then after that, he spent 40 years in a wilderness, in the desert. No place to dwell, no no mansion to build, just surviving 40 years in the wilderness. And then God would use him to call Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And as they would make their way for this new dwelling place, what was the dwelling place called? The promised land. They were going to finally have a place. They were going to finally have their own homeland. It's still being fought over today as you watch the news. God was giving them a dwelling place. And yet because of the sin of unbelief, Moses and his generation only got to see it from a distance. Never had a dwelling place. You might say, oh, how sad. Oh, how bad. And yet Moses had something more than any of us who have some prime real estate. He said, I'm not looking to a piece of dirt to satisfy my soul. Lord, you are my dwelling place. When you do some work on that Hebrew word dwelling, it means to be a place where people of the same family reside. He was given a deep truth. He was basically reminding us that this planet is not our home. 
what we toil for each and every day to accumulate more and more stuff on this earth, we are wasting time. This is not our dwelling place. We were created and designed for him and him alone to be our eternal dwelling place. And he said, God, I'm okay if I don't have a palace. I'm okay if I'm in the wilderness because it isn't about the roof over my head. It's over the righteousness of God that covers me. You are my dwelling place. So I ask you this morning, are you part of the family of God? Or are you just going to waste your time here on earth? Maybe building a pretty neat little old house. Maybe a good little old state to pass on to your children to fight over after you're gone. But how vain and how empty that reality must be. But to know that you could be a part of the family of God, not because you attended church, not because you're on a Baptist roll, but because God is your heavenly father. There's been a time in your life where you have said, God, like, like, like Moses had to be adopted by Pharaoh and was in Pharaoh's family, I have to be adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ. There has to be a personal time in your life where you've been adopted into the holy family of God. Has that happened for you? If it hasn't, you can have that reality this very moment. And God can be your heavenly father as you're born a second time. Born through repentance and asking God for his forgiveness. And the only way that can happen, the only way he can be your dwelling place, is know the reality of who Jesus is. I want to put this verse up on the screen for you. John chapter 1, verse 14. What a crazy reality to realize that he is our dwelling place, that we can be a part of God's family, but how does that happen? There's even a crazier reality. God so loved you, he didn't want you to die like Moses was supposed to die in the river. He wants to adopt you into his family. And for that to happen, Jesus had to do something powerful. Look at it, verse 14 on the screen. And he, the word, Jesus, became flesh. And what did he do? He dwelt among us. He left that holy dwelling place called heaven, and he came to a very unholy place called earth. He dwelt among us so he could be one of us, so he could die for us and our sins. He had to become flesh to take on the sins and the deeds of flesh. He had to take on a cross, and the only way he could do that was to leave his dwelling place and come to ours. And while we were dwelling in our sin, Jesus so loved you, he gave his only life the life of the only begotten Son was given for you so that you could have a new dwelling place, a relationship with a holy God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and even here on earth. That would be you and me. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him. But watch the last line. And we were created for him. That's why God created us. For us to be a part of his holy family. But sin entering into our hearts separates us from the holy family of God. We no longer can be dwelling in the presence of a holy God because I've got sin in my life. But God, seeing that separation, seeing that we could not be a part of the family, created that bridge by his son laying down his life, a holy life without sin, who became the payment for my sin. That when I place my faith in him, the bridge, the only way to God, the only truth, the only life, that as I enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, my sins are forgiven, I'm adopted into the family of God, and now I'm one of the holy children 
of a heavenly father. Are you? Are you just a Baptist, a Methodist, a Catholic, a religious person or non-religious person? What's the label? I take on the label of my heavenly father. I've taken a new last name, holy God. Isn't anything that I've accomplished, anything I've done, nor you can do, all that he has done. Go back to Psalm chapter 90, verse 2. The first point he wants us to see is God wants to be your dwelling place. He wants to be the one. And when you number your days and you realize, I don't have long here on this earth, what happens next? Will I dwell with him or will I not? Will I spend eternity in the presence of a holy God or will I spend eternity in a place called hell, which is very real and very ugly? Verse 2. He goes on to say, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now he sings out the truth that he realizes God is our dwelling place, and the reason he can be our dwelling place is because he's our creator. He created all things. He birthed this earth and all that's in it. Who's in the earth? We are. You were birthed by God. You're not an accident. You're not some kind of scientific reality where you just kind of morphed out of some ooze and it just happened and you evolved. God is the creator of you and me. And then he reminds us the creator who created us is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. I have a piece of paper that says when I was born. And they will issue a piece of paper to my family when I die that shows when I died. There will be a birth date and there will be a death date. And that's true for every one of us in this room. But there is no such document for our Creator. He wasn't just born one day and got bored and said, I want some other births out there just like, no, no, no. He has always been. How is that possible? Only God. He is eternal. The reality is we are not. Now, we will spend eternity, so in a way, we are eternal. The question is, will it be eternal life or will it be eternal death? That is a perspective to be seen. So here's the second lesson. The first one he points out through these first verses is God is God. He is our creator. He is eternal. He is our dwelling place. That is God, and we are not. But look at who we are. Here's lesson number two. God is holy, and we are not. God is holy, and we are not. So that's a little rough. Look at verse 7. For we've been consumed by your anger. We have been terrified by your wrath. We have placed our guilty deeds before you, our hidden sins in the light of your presence. Moses had to confess to this eternal God that he was not holy like God was. That he had sin that was hidden maybe from Pharaoh and Egyptians and others, and yet before God's holy presence there is no sin that can be hidden. He admits that he was guilty, just like we must. For me to be adopted in the family of God on October 18th, 1981, I had to admit to my eternal creator that I was a sinner and that I'd sinned against him. I had to acknowledge that that sin had brought me death. Physical death would come, but more importantly, there was spiritual death. I was not alive spiritually. And that I needed a heavenly father. And it was in that moment that God saved me, transformed me, and gave me life. But we must admit, he is holy, and we are not. Luke chapter 12, you don't have to turn there. I'll put it on the screen. Verses 1 through 3, Jesus also spoke of this reality. Whether you admit it or not, whether you ever get real with God, your creator, or you never get, it will become real. Look at this. It was under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together, that they were 
stepping on one another. The crowds were so big, he began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. According to whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Jesus was talking about Pharisees. We know them to be very religious, very dedicated people, committed to supposedly the things of God, and yet God said their true hearts will be revealed. What they hide under their religious cloaks, what they look so holy on the outside, what's going on on the inside is what God sees. You can't hide it. Adam and Eve tried it. We've talked about that. They tried to hide their sins under fig leaves as if God couldn't see through the fig leaves. They tried to hide in the garden when that wasn't working either. And God always comes to us not to punish us, not to reject us, but to transform us. But we have to come out of hiding. And we have to become real with God and say, God, you are holy and I am not. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I'll put it on the screen as well. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, as he experienced great wealth, great power, everything in the world, and God gave him the gift of wisdom. That wisdom came, a lot of it, probably from living the wrong way. And then God opened his eyes to see truth, and here's what he says. The conclusion is this. You want to hear from the wisest man who's ever lived on the planet? When everything has been heard, here's my conclusion. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. He says, we'll give an account. You better number your days. You need to understand there will be a day when there will be no more days on this earth. And you will stand before a holy God. The question is, which side will you be standing on? There's a side called the goats. There's a side that will be cast out into eternal darkness and punishment. Not because God doesn't love them. He died for all. But because they chose not to have a heavenly father. They die with just an earthly father. They die in their sin. Separated from a holy God. Solomon says, a wise person comes to understand, if I'm going to appear before a holy God, I need a holy covering. And I can't create it, and I can't manufacture it, and I can't cover up that I'm not holy, but he can. How does he do that? Well, it was a fascinating lesson that was taught to Moses and his people in Egypt. The night that death came over all their homes, you remember? And it was prophesied that if you would put the blood of an innocent lamb over your doorpost of your home, anybody who was under the blood would live. They experienced that reality that night, not because they were Jews, not because they were descendants of Abraham, but because of the blood of an innocent lamb. And when I go out into eternity, it won't be because I stand before God and say, whoo, your Baptist preacher made it. Oh man, that Baptist church, I was a member for so many years. Lord, look at all the, no, no, no. There's one thing that the father looks for. I can put all the fig leaves on I want to put on. I can try to build my spiritual resume as deep and wide as I can. But there's one thing, it's the blood of the Lamb that covers me. Are you covered? Do you know God's forgiveness through the blood of the Lamb? Let's go back on Psalm 90, drop down to verse 9. We're almost done. We're still singing though, right? You still singing with me? This was a song. 
It wasn't just a sermon being preached. It was the truth being sung from the heart of Moses. Let it be our truth as well. For all of our days have dwindled away in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. In other words, they've worked and they've toiled and they've worked and they've toiled and they've cried out to God and they've been under the oppression of Egypt. They've gone on through wilderness journeys. They've worked hard to get the promised land. There was no dwelling place for them. And they get to the end of the journey and there's this heavy sigh. Whoa, whoa, whoa is this lifetime. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due strength, maybe 80 years. We've got several members in here going way past that 80. They've done good, but there's some sighing going on, I know. And as Moses writes this, how old was Moses when he died? 120. That's why I happen to believe a lot of Bible scholars believe this was written towards the end of his 120. I'm wondering if it wasn't towards the end of his first 80, somewhere in there. But regardless, that last phase of life, he's looking back with great wisdom and learning, man, all those youthful days that I wasted, all those days and energy and time living like an Egyptian. <sighs> what was I thinking? Why? Why did I think the answers were found in this world in this lifetime? Yet their pride is only trouble and tragedy, for it quickly passes and we disappear. What a tragedy. Even if you were to live to 100 years of age, to take your last breath and that's all you had, was these 100 years here on earth? Are you kidding me? God has so much more. So verse 12, so Lord now in all that reflection, knowing you are God and we are not, knowing that you are holy and I am not, God teach me. You see, that doesn't come to us naturally. That doesn't just, you don't just wake up all day being spiritual. God has to teach you these truths. And God will show you who he is and God will teach you who you are. And when you come to see it, all of a sudden with a heart of wisdom, you can open that heart to a holy God and say, God, I need you, holy God, to forgive me to transform me, and to use me for your glory. So lesson number three, singing lesson number three, and you're done for the day. Me, 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 say it. With, no, 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 no. <laughs> me, 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 he's got issues. But lesson number three is this. Count your days to make your days count. Count your days to make your days count. There's a calculator on the Internet. You can say, how many days have I been alive on planet Earth? I plugged my birth date in. I've been alive for 20,596 days. 20,596 days. And I had to reflect on that. That's, that's a significant number. Some of you got more numbers than me. But then you have to reflect back and say, how many of those days, those gifts from God, have I used for his glory? Moses, as he sings this psalm to God, had to reflect and say, you know, Majority of my life, I've been living like an Egyptian. Majority of my life, I've just been foolish. Forty years in the palace, 40 years in the wilderness, I'm 80 years old. Most people are dying around me. Lord, teach me to number my days. Guess what? God gave him another 40 years. And he maximized those days for the glory of God. 20,596 days for me. When I turned 50 which was not recently, but when I turned 50, it slapped me around. 
it slapped me into reality. It's the first birthday that really caught my attention. And I took a jar and I put 50 stones, little stones, inside that jar to remind me of the 50 years that have been spent. And I use it kind of as my halfway mile marker. Now, the odds of me making it to 100 are, are not well in my family DNA or in most of our DNA. Just like Moses said, most of us would be lucky to get to 70 or 80. And then each year, pulling one of those stones back out and watching those stones just drop back down, it's, it's a barometer reminding me I'm not going to be here forever. Neither will you. And the lower it gets, the more I realize that day is coming when I'll appear before a holy God. Lord, teach me to count, count my days. Teach me to live in an eternal perspective, not the temporal, not the here and now, not about what's in it for me or what can I get out of this lifetime. But God, what can I do to present back to you a life worthy of your adoption? I'm your child. I'm here for your purposes. I was created for you. And Lord, I want to give back to you the best years of my life. That's how Moses ended. The last 40, the best years of his life. What about yours? Would you pray with me with every head bowed and every eye closed? See, I thought this was supposed to be one of them rock and roll songs. I thought that's heavy. Life's heavy. Truth, so real. God is God and we are not. And if you think that you got this and, and you're fine just in your own goodness and your own strength, you're playing the role of God. But we have to come to a point where we realize God is holy and I'm not. I've fallen short of his holiness. And that sin would separate me from, from the one who created me, the one who loves me, and the one who died for me. I need to get real with God. I need to realize my days are numbered. And what then? What next? Are you ready for what comes next? Will you spend eternity as part of God's dwelling place, the family of God, or will you be separated from that in your sin? You choose. God chose to so love you, he sent his only begotten son. He made a way possible. He offers that as a free gift that must be received, but you've got to receive it. You have to turn from your Egyptian ways and turn to the way the truth, and the life. If you've never done that right now, whether you're with us online or right here, right now, you would need to pray and just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Just say that. Declare it. Lord, I'm a sinner. God, save me. You are holy and I am not. I open the door of my heart and I invite you in. The Bible says, whoever calls on his name, they shall be saved. Like many did at crazy summer nights this past week, maybe that's your prayer this very day. Maybe you're maximizing this day by trusting Christ with all your heart. You ought to be the first to come to one of our staff and say, today I prayed with the pastor. Today I became a child of God. Maybe that's happened in days past and you just need to confess that or you need to be baptized as your next step of obedience. Maybe you need a church family or, or maybe today you are realizing I've lived the majority of my life like an Egyptian. And man, I want to live my last days with all glory to God. Maybe it's a time of rededication in your heart maybe you know somebody who doesn't know the Lord that you need to pray for the ping pong balls are here our staff are coming if they make their way to the front let me pray for you and when I'm done Tom will begin to sing when we stand if you need to come for any reason we'd love to receive you and praise God with you this morning let's pray Father may you be the holy God of each and every heart here today in this moment God may we be transparent before you 
Lord, if it's somebody who needs you to save them, God, do that now. If it's somebody who needs a church family, a home where they can grow in their relationship with you and relationship with others, God, bring them forward this morning. God, if it's another need, may we honor you like Moses and trust you one day at a time, starting today. We're asking it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.